Hello and welcome to a new episode of the CTO show with Mehmet. My name is Mehmet. I'm your host. And in every episode, we talk about emerging tech, digital transformation, cybersecurity. But at the same time, and as you uh, are seeing and following us, we also host sometimes special guests who give us insights about their journey while starting their companies. And today I'm very thrilled to have with me uh, Kevin Pezel, who's joining me from Arizona in the US. And uh, Kevin is a seasoned entrepreneur and he has like more than 18 years experience in the tech industry who would like share some of his insights. So first of all, thank you, Kevin, for joining me today. If you can just introduce you to my um, audience, I would be uh, really more than thankful for that. Yeah, certainly. Thanks, Mehmet, for having me on the show. Uh, my name's Kevin Patel, here from Arizona, graduated out of ASU. Uh, you know, didn't really make my parents happy, uh, not becoming a doctor or lawyer. Ended up actually going to business school and did economics. Uh, always knew I wanted to do something on the internet, and uh, here I am today. That's cool. So you have started the company called Convert, right? So what inspired you to start um, a white label landing page builder? You know, it started when I would say I was a freshman in college. Uh, one of my really good friends, he had sent out an email that basically said, I'm looking to start a company. I don't know what it is. It's going to do something on the internet. If you're interested in me in front of the library, and, uh, you know, I, I, it was like maybe 30, 40 people on it. But when I got there, it was just me and him. And that was the day where we basically started our digital agency. Uh, it was called Amazing Creations at that time. And we were doing, you know, full service work. We were building out websites. We were doing demand gen. And that's where we started to kind of go into our niche was conversion optimization. So we helped... Uh, uh, a homeopath company that was selling HCG and other diet supplements online. And they were only doing about 500 bucks a month. And what we did was we spun up landing pages for these, uh, each individual product and drove targeted traffic to it. And we actually got to 50 K a month. I would say within six to seven months, it was pretty fast. And so that's where, you know, we started to dabble in landing pages. And then that's when Unbounce was coming out. You know, everyone was going crazy over Unbounce. But it was still a bit technical for us to use. So we were just building a tool for ourselves, actually. Uh, we wanted something that our team members can use and manage customers a lot easier. And it just started from there. Um, you know, I was me and Drew, we were stoked basically hustling we had a job and we were funding uh this tool and one day our bosses pissed us uh pissed us off and we were like we're never going back to corporate and we actually quit and uh we just went all in on convert and you know we had a couple pivots in the market we we thought we would go b2c kind of like what the other players were doing but uh, we quickly realized, you know, that that requires a lot of training, customer support, something that we just weren't ready for. Uh, we're still bootstrapped today. Uh, so we actually pivoted and went B2B to C. So we found a lot of CRM automation platforms out there that was basically sending all their customers to third-party apps to use. 
And if you calculate how much lost revenue that is, and also sometimes those people just migrate over, you know, churn away, uh, it was in the millions. And we were able to share this story with them. And so now, you know, some of the leading uh, marketing automation companies like Freshworks, Send and Blue, Keep, they all rely on our technology, uh, the landing page builder, for their end customers to use. So uh, that's that's kind of how we ended up in that market. Now, that's an inspiring story. I'm sure that down on the road, you faced a lot of challenges. You know, And I think it's a very traditional question, but I have to ask it. Um, well, what was the biggest obstacle while you were building uh, Convert? And how did you overcome them? Yeah, so myself, I'm not really... Uh, a technical founder, uh, Drew, he is a bit more technical, I would say like on the front end, uh, UI UX piece. So very early on, we ran into, um, you know, just being able to get the product actually built. We started, uh, outsourcing. We started to, you know, put together a team over here in the U S and the problem we were having was, you know, just either our expectations weren't being met or we weren't finding uh, the right team members to join. So I would say like for the first three years, it was just basically trying to recruit a CTO who really cared and understood what we were trying to get into. And, uh, and luckily one day we came across him. Uh, we found him through a website code mentor and we somehow convinced him to leave his hundred uh, K uh, salary job moved to Arizona. And then from here, we took off to uh, Florida, uh, where we landed our first contract with a company called SharpSpring that was acquired later and went uh, IPO. So, you know, in the beginning, it's really just putting together that team. And obviously, you know, you have the whole battle of financing it, bootstrapping it, um, trying to figure out how to do all that. But like, really, if I look back, it just what what kept me up at night was like trying to find a technical founder who could really make this product scale. And, uh, and like, you know, I would say the, you know, just spend a lot of as much as time you can on that. Cause, uh, that that's what makes the biggest difference, at least from what I've experienced so far. <laughs> yeah. So just brought to me just a quick question. Do you think that it's easier now to at least get, in front of customer with MVP, because I cover also the topic of no code. I myself enrolled on a no code uh, cohort uh, recently, although I'm, I have a little bit technical background in coding. I'm not a coder. I'm, I was all uh, my career in infrastructure, but do you think now it's more easier than the time that you started? I would say it is definitely getting easier. Uh, you know, you have like these tools like called Copilot coming out um, where they're baking in AI to write some of the code. I don't know, honestly, too much about that. You know, I know a lot of developers actually are are finding it uh, helpful. Also, like we use TypeScript in our code base. Uh, that's allowed for just a lot of um, reduction on bugs and tickets that get submitted because, again, like the parameter of how, how it makes you code uh, has made a difference. So like as technology starts to evolve, uh, you know, I think 
being able to write code is is getting a lot smarter uh, because it's it's really accounting for some of you know the flaws and securities that may come into writing just bad code and publishing it. So there there are definitely better frameworks coming in, uh, into today's world that just allows for more you know better code that again is going to be able to scale and just prevent a lot of you know support and bad bad code being published. Yeah. Now the second question, which I think is also a traditional one, but I'm always personally very curious about the decision that is taken to to take which uh, path. So you mentioned that the business was bootstrapped, right? So why you choose this path and not to go and, you know, go for a pre-seed, seed, whatever, you know, uh, from funding perspective? Yeah, honestly, like, it just comes from, I think, our um, Middle Eastern, like, you know, background of not not being liked what to be, you know, what to do, basically. <laughs> you know, like, early on, we're, we're, like, raised where, you know, our parents are owning our own business, and they have their schedule of how they like it. And so when we got started, you know, we weren't really uh, interested in seeing like, oh, you know, a company come in and give us like a million or two million in seed money to go build something because we saw what came with that. And early on, you know, we we were just basically just having fun trying to start this company. Uh, and we were already starting to make, you know, some money out of it. And we just kept going. Uh, we never focused on like, oh, you know, we need a surplus injection of money uh, to do X, Y, Z. We were just really from the beginning focused on the customer piece. Like, can we actually sell it? Can we get six-figure contracts going in? And um, and and that's honestly what's helped us get to where we are um, on the product piece is, you know, being forced to go talk to prospects and customers and and see if we can actually sell us and and self-fund it you know i'm not i'm not saying that we will never uh look at taking investments it's just i would say in early early stage like it's important just to try to figure out that sales cycle so then you can take that money and double down on what you see is working and see if you could scale it faster from there Makes sense because it depends also about the type of business. So some businesses or some business ideas, I would say, they would require, of course, like the funding from VCs or angel right. investors. While some, I believe, like especially like yours, it's something that you can build it by your own money. And yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Like we we have this uh, cultural thing. Yeah, I don't want someone to tell me what <laughs> I do, right? So uh, pretty yeah. much, pretty much uh, right. Another thing, um, and this is because you know, like. You are offering a SaaS at the end of the day, right? And right. when we talk about SaaS, um, and this I'm asking it because some of the people who might be listening or watching this later and thinking about starting a SaaS business. So, you know, there was always this concept, oh, you know, like I need to uh, hide the idea, like uh, people will copy my idea. So what you can share about this, you know, competition, especially in the SaaS market, and how it's important that you keep innovating and trying to, to get rapidly with, with the new features to your customers? Yeah, so, you know, early on, you always, when you're pitching your idea to people, they'll be like, oh, have you heard of XYZ? 
And, you know, it's always good to hear about them just because it validates that there is a need in that market if a company is already succeeding, right? But we've, we, nev- we never spent too much really focusing on what our customers were kind of providing. Uh, we got that more through just, again, uh, uh, talking to our customers. For example, uh, when we were working with Freshworks, uh, really quickly they were like, you know, landing pages, it's going great with our customers, but now we want to provide pop-ups. Can you turn the builder into making pop-ups? And so that ended up becoming like a request from an enterprise customer. And we're like, hmm, maybe like if if we can if we do this, then we can sell it to uh, you know, send in blue or keep. And uh, that's kind of like what happened is uh, once we got pop-ups built, uh, we saw demand from other customers. And so that's how we kind of just build out our suite of products of what we want to provide is kind of letting the market customers tell us um, instead of really kind of looking at what other people are doing. Uh, just let, let let your customers and market kind of guide on what's really wanted and needed out of the product. Yeah, cool. Um, as a founder, you know, like, of course, like you believe you're still involved in the day-to-day operation. So how easy or how difficult it is to keep the balance between, you know, the time that you need to spend on strategic planning, you know, managing the team, but at the same time, you know, keeping up to the latest industry trends, whether like, let's say now AI is taking the world by uh, by the hype it created. So how how do you manage you know the time to to make the balance between uh, both? Yeah, I mean it's just spending a lot of time on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, like honestly, in, early in the mornings when I first wake up and then when I go to bed, uh, I usually try to use that time to kind of you know self indulge in into some of the news out there. Uh, but you know Twitter has from day one for me, been my source of information and tech. Um, LinkedIn used to used to do well too, but I found myself getting more off of LinkedIn recently. I'm not sure why. Like, uh, I don't find people really talking much that resonates. Uh, I don't know if that's because I'm I'm in like discovery mode all the time. Like, what's new? What's happening? And I see a lot more of that on Twitter. And so, again, like, you know, you find your moments where you're by yourself, not on calls or on your computer. And that's all I do is just catch up on Twitter. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, frankly speaking, I have to agree with you on this. So I'm I'm active more on LinkedIn and a little bit on, on Twitter. But I mean, from content consumption perspective, right? a lot of the things that I found recently yeah. interesting, I found it on, on uh, Twitter. Because yeah. LinkedIn more and I hope that they're gonna do something because I right. love I love because you know at least the people there are real you know not much yep. more similar to, yep. to the Twitter story but yet at, you know and this is one of the uh, I would say motivation for me to start this whole thing that I'm doing now which is the podcast mm-hmm. and this thing because I was sharing them in an article I was trying to educate mm-hmm. people hey folk like you know there is this new technology I think it's yeah. cool. Let tell me what you think, and let's have a discussion. Um, I don't find this much on LinkedIn, but uh-huh. there are some guys like if you have heard about Justin Welch, for example. Like this guy, he he started to create this vibe on LinkedIn, um, so where people 
he's trying to tell people, look, the professional people are sitting there. You can sell your values there. You can share your stories there. I hope that this change really, because I yeah. love LinkedIn. But yeah, I agree with you. Like I rely on Twitter. I rely personally like on, on some of the feed reader apps, you know, so I have some. Yeah. <laughs> some Honestly, things. I think what it is, is like, it's just easier to consume the content on Twitter, right? Because it's short form. Shorter. And uh, on LinkedIn, I don't know how that started, but those long form posts and, and I mean, I, I'm guilty of it. I, I do a lot of that. And again, some of that was just to kind of AB test if I can get um, comments or how people would interact. And so like, it's, it just came a thing of like, you know, these short novel, novel posts on LinkedIn compared to like, you know, bite-sized content on Twitter that's so much easier to, to read. Like within the first one or two seconds, you know, if you want to click on that tweet and read more instead of just, you know, seeing a bunch, bunch yeah. of content. Just an advice from my side, just follow the right people so you see in your feed the right things because yeah. recently they changed something in the, uh, in, in, in the algorithm themes and I had to unfollow mm. a lot of things that I followed maybe 10 years back. So I, wow. I was getting no sense content, but yeah, now it's much better. Um, just final question before we, we close uh, with you today, Kevin. Um, what do you tell or advise your younger self? And I'm asking this question, if someone today, maybe he's just graduating or she just graduated and they want to go in tech and doing this entrepreneurship journey, what advice you would give to yourself as a younger self or to, to this uh, younger generation? Uh, I mean, like, so I, you know, a lot of family members and, and some of my peers always are like, oh, I have this great idea and, and I'm going to quit. I'm going to go into this. And I see sometimes they're fueled by just what they hear in the, in the media about, you know, investments and all these series money that they're getting. And, you know, like just go in with the, with the right intentions, basically, like, don't think you're going to become an overnight millionaire you're gonna have an overnight success like this is like real you know grinding it's a lot of stress i mean there's a lot of work that goes into it like you need to really want this to make it work and and that's it i mean like it just comes down to passion is what i would tell uh again like i mean that that's what i told myself when i first started is like i have this passion of wanting to do something on the internet and I'm going to go full into this and and make it work. And that's the mentality I had. That's the mentality uh, Drew, my other co-founder, had. And, and you know, that's kind of like the message to just anyone uh, starting out is like, you know, just you make sure you have that passion and that you're going to commit at least eight to ten years to that idea uh, to really see something happen. Yeah, great. Thank you very much, Kevin, for this insight. So... Your product is B2B, as I understand, right? So I'm going to still share, um, you know, the link for anyone who's interested to know more about Convert, how you can create landing pages easily uh, and all the features that uh, Convert uh, offers. So I would be sharing that in the episode description. Well, thank you very much, Kevin. I really appreciated your time. It's early in the morning for you. And... Uh, Thank you for everyone who watched or listened to this episode. And as usual, if you have any feedback, if you have any questions, if you want to even come to the show, 
please let me know. You can send me an email. You can find me on LinkedIn or Twitter. We just talked about that. And uh, I would be more than happy to have this discussion with you. So until next time, see you soon. Bye-bye.